1 John 4, 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Mark 12, 29-31 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Today we light the candle of love. Hello, thanks for joining us for worship today. Whether you are joining us through our live online service or engaging with us on TV, we are so glad that you are here. We're excited to continue in our series, Christmas for All. Today, as we start service, we are going to sing a song called Welcome the Healer. At the beginning of this song is an invitation for Jesus to come and do what he wants in our lives. As we begin this song, I'd invite you to not just let it be words you sing, but an honest prayer that God would work in your life. Would you worship with me now?
name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. amazing grace that we're reminded of this Christmas season, that Jesus came to the earth as a humble person in the most humble way possible. We're going to sing this song together that really just beautifully lays out the gospel within the Christmas story. And you might recognize the tune of this song, so just 
Feel free to sing along as you get it. I've heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy. The Son of God sent down to save the world. There was no room for him to lay, so in a manger filled with hay, God's only Son was born, oh hallelujah, 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 oh hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. A star shone bright up in the east, a guide to those who would believe, a sign of hope, a shining proof of your love. The prophecy that night fulfilled a baby boy to save the world in
you guys pray with me? Father God, we thank you for that old holy night, that night when you sent your son to be born in a manger. God, the most humble way we could ever, ever imagine. God, to show us that no one is beyond reach of your love, that no one else is beyond the hope of the gospel. So God, we come before you now. Would you help us to remember this Christmas season? what the true reason is that we celebrate. God, that you saw us, your children, who needed rescue. And you sent your son to come after us, to take up our rugged cross and go up Calvary's hill so that we might have a way back to you. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Man, so good to be with you guys here uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, we're so glad that, that you're here, that you've chosen to, to spend your day with us and worship this morning. Uh, we love worshiping with you guys. So, hey, we're gonna dive into God's word right now together. So let's turn our attention to the screens here. I'm Dion Meyer. My wife is Jamie Meyer. Um, I have two kids, Matt and Christina, and three grandchildren that have attended uh, Heritage Church for the last 16 years. We've been very blessed. Back in 2003, uh, my wife and I uh, were talking to my cousin about finding a church that had the heart of Jesus, and uh, they encouraged us to try Heritage Church in Rock Island. And uh, after just a few services, I recommitted myself to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and that has changed the course of my family's life, coming to Heritage Church. From the point I started coming to Heritage, I realized that uh, God made us all different and that uh, we're all blessed with different skills. And I uh, prayed on it for a while and I think uh, mine is uh, generosity. It doesn't mean that you can't try other things and work in other areas. Um, I teach Sunday school, uh, elementary. Uh, my wife and I have done it for about 11 years now and uh, with the help of Stephanie and others, uh, we're able to deliver the word to, to the children and uh, know about Jesus Christ and dedicate their lives to him and I watch these kids grow. Heritage Church has really given my wife and I, Jamie, the opportunity to grow in our generosity and through the guidance of the pastors here. We choose to, my wife and I, to give to Heritage Church uh, because I think the church heart is after Jesus. Uh, Heritage Church is where I came back to Jesus Christ and it changed my life. Um, and uh, as long as uh, the focus is on Jesus, uh, Heritage Church is where I'm going to be and where my financial investment's going to be. As the future needs of Heritage Church are presented to us, I, I hope that you would go home and pray on it and listen to God's Word. Um, I've uh, tried to listen faithfully whenever God put something before me. Uh, my wife and I pray on it and then we come to a number and uh, I've never given a second thought about giving it. Um, it's what God put me here for. Um, I would encourage anyone else that uh, has God nudging their heart to give to uh, Listen to him. Just listen to God. Awesome. Well, good morning, Heritage. How are you? 
Hey, it's great uh, to be with you. Would you do me a favor? Turn to your neighbor and just say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Go ahead. I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. I should come down and just say that right now. I'm so glad I'm standing next to you. I'm sorry. You sat in a spitting section, though. I don't know. I'll try not to spit on you, but not on purpose. But hey, you know, I, I love that video of Dion. It's just kind of funny. For those of you, I, I think many of you who call Heritage home, um, you know this. If you're first time visiting us this morning, it's so great to have you. We're so blessed and grateful to have you here. Uh, I'm the guy that should be on Ritalin and is not. And, um, and no, caffeine does not do this to me. I don't drink caffeine. It's just kind of, I'm, I'm just kind of hyper. It's just as a person. Um, and I'm just serving as the interim pastor here as Heritage is in between pastors. And, um, you know, I just got to tell you though, I, I just came literally, you know, just, um, drove over, and I'm really glad that a police officer wasn't following me from Bettendorf campus, and Dion was sitting in the sixth row over there. And so I dialogued with Dion from the stage for a few moments after that, after that video. And I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, you know, it, it's so cool. I, Dion is the CEO of a, of a construction company, he started a construction company, CEO of it, and he serves in our children's ministry. I think that's so stinking cool. I really, really do. He's a rock star as far as I'm concerned. And we didn't show you that video so that we could try and twist your arm financially. Not at all. All we want to do is we want to encourage you to do exactly what Dion and Jamie do, which is, Holy Spirit, what are you guiding us to do financially? And like we talked about two weeks ago, so many people are stressed out about finances that we just want to relieve that stress and say, hey, go to the Lord and the Lord will guide and direct you about what to do financially. And when he does, just be obedient to him. And he'll take care of you. He's promised to do it. Um, so no arm twisting there. Just be obedient to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Is that okay? Everybody said okay? Okay. Awesome. Okay. Now, here's the bummer for you guys. The bummer for you is, is that this is the last service of the day, which means for me, which means that I don't have to run out to another service, which means that you're getting it all, right? You're getting it all. So, one more thing. Some of you think that I'm actually not married and that I'm not a dad, okay? Because you've never, my wife is a phantom. Well, I want you to know that if you come, first of all, I want to say, some of you are one service people. I get it. I totally get it. I got to tell you, what Pastor Josh, and we all love Pastor Josh. I mean, he's just so awesome, but um, what, what, yeah, he is. Woohoo! Give it up for Pastor Josh. But you know what he said earlier, so true. The, the worship arts department, and by the way, like for some of you again who call Heritage Home, like in that video, did you see Steve Abel in his hair? Look, I got a wig on. Like, what's with that? I said that at Bettendorf when he was sitting like right there. I just thought it was so funny. But anyways, Steve and the team have made this beautiful place at, over at Bridgepoint that's just gorgeous. So it's worth coming to one of the five or seven services just to see the venue. And it's going to be acoustic. It's going to be really, really cool. And then if you come to six or eight, here or Bender, I'll tell you that Mary and my girls will be, uh, sorry, four to six, sorry, four to six here um, on Christmas Eve, okay, five to seven on the 23rd, four and six here or Bender. If you come to the four o'clock service, Mary will be here and you'll see that she's not a phantom. And then Mary and my girls will be here and then they'll be at the Bender at six. Okay, um, enough of all that. So, Holy Spirit of God, guide, direct us in the next few minutes to the things as Josh just prayed that you have for us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So let me ask you this question. How many of you have a physical characteristic that you got from your parents? Right? Like you've got their nose, or you've got their facial structure, like the, the gap in my teeth the size of the Mississippi River, I got from my dad. Right? So there's three sons, I'm the youngest, and my dad and all three boys got the gap right? Now, I don't know why my parents don't believe in orthodontic work, but they didn't. So, so I still have this giant gap in my teeth. Um, but, you know, it's one thing to have a physical characteristic, but how many, of you, how many of you, when you were growing up, you remember your parents doing something and you said to yourself, I'm never going to do that. And as an adult, you found yourself doing the very thing you swore you would never do. How many of you have done that at least once? Okay? And the rest of you are lying and you're in church, I'm just saying. <laughs> right? Because we know it's just so natural. Well, here's the thing. Why do I bring that up? Because when we begin, when you and I begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, God invites and expects us to take on the characteristics that match who he is. 
See, when you and I open up our hearts, and by the way, if you've never done that, if you've never opened up your heart to relationship with Jesus, you've got to know that he's crazy in love with you. He's absolutely crazy in love with you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. You may never have realized this, but he created you. Long before you were a gleam in anybody's eye, God knew you. And he longed when you were born to be in a relationship with you. Not because he needed you, but because he longed to be in a relationship and show you his love. Firsthand. But for those who have come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, then the, 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 expect, the invitation by Jesus and expectation is that we would begin to take on the characteristics that we find in who God is in his character. Just as we take on some of the characteristics of our parents, God invites and expects us to take on the characteristics of him. So, I'm giving an example of that. I'll give you just one simple example throughout this morning. A guy by the name of Paul, who writes about a third of what we now call as the New Testament of the Bible, is writing a list of these characteristics. And he's talking about the difference that the Holy Spirit makes in our life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the difference the Holy Spirit makes. And this is what he says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And the first word he says is what? Awesome. That's about 30 of you that learned how to read in the Rock Island school system. I actually believe in you more than that. So the first characteristic that's mentioned in that list is a characteristic known as? Love. Awesome. You and I are called to love. The night before he would go to the cross, Jesus is, is having dinner with his peeps. He's hanging out with the disciples. And, and they didn't sit in seats like chairs like you're sitting in right now. The way that they would eat in the first century, and I know this sounds a bit bizarre to us, but they would basically lounge. Or they would lounge. This is literally how they ate. So you'd have the food out on the table, and then you would literally eat. So Jesus has got his peeps around, and they're around this table, and they're eating this meal called the Passover meal. And, and Jesus knows that he's, he's going to die tomorrow. He knows that, and the, the disciples don't get it yet, but he knows it. And so he looks out at his disciples, these 12 guys, and this is what he says to them. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, guys. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And it's your love for one another that will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus said that the distinguishing factor of his followers would be love. Not picket signs. Not, well, you better. The distinguishing factor was to be our love for other people. One of the guys sitting around that dinner that night was a guy by the name of John. John would go on to write four different letters, first, second, third John, and the book of Revelation. And the book of first John, he's remembering what Jesus said that night. And he's encouraging those who would read his letter and he says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, loving other people sounds easy enough as it is. And it would be if we got to pick and choose who we loved. Like if we got to say, hey, if they love me, if they treat me well, if they're good to me, if they're nice to me, I can love them back. Woohoo! I can do that. Piece of cake, Jesus. Pika, got that. Check that sucker off. I'm good. Now, unfortunately, that's not the whole story. Let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever made one mistake in your life? You'd raise your hand. Because some of you aren't raising your hand right now and you're in church and you're lying, okay? So now you should raise your hand. Okay, now. How many of you have ever made a mistake that you would not want to have or sinned? Or what? How many of you have ever done something that you would not want to have, like, pictured up on that screen? 
How many of you have at least one moment in your life that you would want, not want the whole world to know about? Let me raise both hands, feet, any other pent eye, let me get it up, right? And yet, God loved you even at your worst. God demonstrates his, his love for us in this. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves us even when we're at our worst. That's what God's love looks like. Do you see where this is going? Hang on. When God invites us to be like him in loving people, he's inviting us to love people who are not necessarily easy or deserving of our love. Oh. You mean we have to love everyone? Really? Jesus said, interestingly enough, there's this one time when Jesus take his, takes his disciples up on this little hill, this little mountain. Don't think of it like the Rocky Mountains. It's, just, it's a little mountain. Um, and uh, his disciples go with him, and then some people find out that like Jesus is going up on, on this hill, and he's popular enough at the time that they, they follow him. And they go up this hill, and Jesus starts, uh, for lack of a better word, preaching. And he ends up preaching the most famous message that has ever been preached, which is called, we now call the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And that, they, and that way you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now remember, this is an agrarian culture. Most of them made their money by farming or by being sheep herders of some way, shape, or form. A lot of them were agrarian. And so you needed two things. You need the sun and you need the rain. And what Jesus is saying here is, is that God sends good things to those who deserve it and those who don't. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. A couple of years ago, this guy by the name of Eugene Peterson passed away. He's a great guy. Eugene was a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area. And uh, and just before he retired from there, he started writing this paraphrase of the Bible, which eventually would become known as the message. And so I would love, what I just read for you is out of the New Living Translation. This paraphrase isn't word for word translation, but it's a paraphrase of the Bible. And, and I love it. And I, I specifically love this passage out of the paraphrase called the message. I'm going to read it again, that same passage, but out of the message. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and his unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the subtle moves of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone. Regardless, the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. And then, I love how Eugene Peterson puts this. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. Now, some of you are trying to figure out, what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Like, I don't get it. Like, you're talking about love, and this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and it's the fourth Sunday about love, but like, what does this really have to do with Christmas? Let me show you. So, in the New Testament of the Bible, we have four different letters that are that describe the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
okay? Now, Luke writes his letter to a very, a very Greek audience. Uh, that's really who he's writing to. Luke is writing to the Greeks. Matt is writing to a very Jewish audience. He's wanting to show Jesus as the ultimate Jew, who is the Messiah. That's a big deal to Matt. So when he writes his book, he wants, to, he wants everyone to know in his audience who Jesus is, that he is the fulfillment of who the, the Jews have been waiting for. And so he takes his beginning of his book, and he takes it back to the most famous Jew who ever lived, a guy by the name of Abraham. So this is how Matt starts his book. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. <laughs> right? Now, see, here's the thing. If you've got any problem with insomnia whatsoever, no problem. Find a genealogy in the Bible, start reading it, you'll be out in a matter of a minute and a half. It's not a problem. Go to the book of 1st or 2nd Chronicles in the Old Testament, go to the, man, you'll be out. It's not a problem at all. It's easy to do. See, when you and I read that, we just kind of go, ah. but in the first century, when Matt actually wrote it, you have to understand something, which is really, really cool. And that is, is that, they, I know this is blowing all the 16-year-olds in the room, but they didn't actually have iPhones in the first century. <gasps> How could they live? Was it possible? They, they, catch this. They, they, they didn't even have a Bible. You see, there was no such thing as a printing press in the first century. So what you had were handwritten scrolls. So Matt takes that, but he starts writing on a scroll. And it's the only copy of that scroll until someone else takes that scroll and they make a copy. Even the Bill Gates of the first century, they didn't have their own personal scrolls. Scrolls were kept at the synagogue. They were kept at church. And what would happen is, is that when people came to church, the scroll would be there and someone would walk up, a very prestigious person, and this often happens to Jesus, he's invited to read the scroll. So in Matt's day, no one read what Matt, they didn't, first of all, they didn't know how to read many of them. And those who did read didn't have their own books just sitting at home. No, 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 no. They would have heard these words. And I understand that it causes you to fall asleep. But when the people in the first century would have heard Matt's words for the first time, it would have been scandalous to them. It would have been R-rated to them. I understand it makes you want to go to sleep. It was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Matt just wrote that. Why? Let me give you a couple of reasons. Number one, Matt includes women. Now, I know that that's such a sexist thing to come out of my mouth, but in the first century, women were not as included as they should have been. Now, here's what we all know. We all know that women are the stronger sex, period. How do I know that? Because God told them to give birth to children. If men had to give birth to children, we would have sex every about seven and a half years. So what would happen? Okay, so we all understand this. But in that day, women were not as celebrated as they should have been and as they are today. So first thing that Matt does is he, he, he names a lot of moms on that list, which would have been scandalous. You go and you look at other genealogies that come out of this day, they very rarely, almost never include women. Second of all, he mentions people like Judah and Tamar. Tamar is the woman, Judah's the guy. You want to read an R-rated movie? Go read Genesis 38 this afternoon. Go read in your Bible Genesis 38 this afternoon and see what a jerk Judah was. Tamar was a total innocent victim. Judah's a jerk. 
Matt includes them. And her. Why? Hang on to that thought. I'll come right back to it in just a few moments. And then he goes on. And I know I just read this to you, but I'll read it again really, really quickly. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. What? See, here's the deal. David and Bathsheba are a whole nother R-rated movie in and of themselves. I mean, you got David, who's the king. King David is incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. And in the springtime... Kings would go out to war. They'd go out to fight a battle. That's what you did. I know it sounds archaic and weird in our day. I get that. But they'd go do the Man of Thrones thing out on every spring. They would just do it. So here we go. And in this particular year, David's generals from his army come to him and say, Hey, Dave, you don't need to come out with us. We've got this one handled. Dave goes, Are you sure? Yep, Dave, we've got this one handled. The, army's not, the army that we're coming up against is that not that big of a deal. We think we've got this one handled. Why don't you just stay here? You're getting a little bit up in age, anyways. We've got this one. You sure? Yep, we're sure. We got it. Okay. Dave stays home. Now, what's interesting about Dave is that he lives in this house that we today, you and I, would consider a mansion. Not so much because of our experience today, but if we went back there, we would see that it would be considered that because he lives in a home that's probably three or four stories tall. Now, that would, that would have been unheard of in Dave's day. Unheard of. I, I, when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, I lived in a two-story house with a walkout basement. So it was actually kind of a three-story house. Like if you look at the very bottom, you look up, you're looking up 30 plus feet plus the roof. You got more than that, right? Dave, nobody lived in those kinds of houses at all. I mean, my house is only two stories tall, with, again, with this walkout basement. Dave lived in a three-story house above ground, or a four-story house, so he's 30 or 40 feet up, unheard of in his day. But he's the king. That's the house he gets to live in. Now, he's got neighbors around him who have little fences around their house just so people that are walking by can't see inside. David is up on his roof one afternoon. He's looking around, and he looks at, he looks at a neighbor's house, and he sees a woman, and she's taking a bath, and she's gorgeous. And of course what David says is, oh, I can't look at that. It's not at all what he does. What he says is, I see, I want. So he sends a couple of his attendants to go get her. And if Bathsheba refuses, she's probably killed. So she's summoned to the palace. He rapes her and sends her home. He's a jerk. Six weeks later, Bathsheba gets the word to Dave. Dave, we got a problem. All this time, my husband has been out fighting your war. I'm pregnant. He's been gone too long. We got a problem. Make a long story short, Dave arranges for her husband Uriah, who is fighting his war, to be killed. So Dave commits adultery and murder. The only thing that saves David was that when he was confronted with his behavior, he was humble and teachable enough to confess the incredible sin he had committed and repent of it. You can read about that in Psalm 51. He really does confess it. He doesn't pretend it's anybody else's fault. He takes 100% of the blame. Back to Matt. Matt, you include Judah and Tamar and David and Bathsheba. What are you doing? He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Dot, dot, dot. Leave it there. Now you got two stories. Leave it there. I promise I'll bring it all home in just a few moments. But Matt isn't done. He tells a third story. Again, we blow by it. I get it. I fully get it. First century folks that heard this, they didn't blow by it. 
He tells this third story in the second chapter of his book. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Hey, Joe, get up. Flee to Egypt with Mary and his mom. Mary. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So that night, before the, before the dawn, that night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. So he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Scholars believe that somewhere between 10, 15, maybe as many 20 boys were murdered by Herod because they would have been born and been under two years old during this night. So you've got Judah and Tamar, you've got David and Bathsheba, and you've got Herod. Matthew mentions all three of them. Why? Because Matt wants us to know that God's love is wide enough to take in both the victim and the victimizer. And that is hard for us to swallow. God's love is wide enough to take in the victim and the victimizer, and he's inviting us to love everyone. Even those who hurt us. Even those, even those who have caused us great pain. Those who we have every right to be mad at. In fact, interestingly enough, Again, back to the Sermon on the Mount that I referenced a few minutes ago when Jesus was preaching. This is not up on the screen, but I just want to read it really quickly to us. Jesus said this, Hey, if you forgive those who sin against you, then your Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, the way that we can be a full recipient of His love is by passing it on to other people. We have to be willing to do that. But I need to say this to us. And that is choosing to forgive someone and love them is not saying that what the other person did was right. Not at all. Some of you have been the victims of some horrific abuse. I'm not saying that what that person did in any way, shape, or form was excusable. Not at all. And the invitation by God to love them is not an invitation to say that what they did was okay. Not at all. You might have to put up some boundaries in your life, appropriate boundaries. When someone does something, there can be consequences. It doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. No, the, the victimizer doesn't get off scot-free. If they happen to get off scot-free here on this planet, on, on earth, God will make sure that they're taken care of, that, that, that their sin is dealt with. How do I know that? God, by the name of Paul, writes this and says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back. There will be a day when the person who hurt you has to stand before our Heavenly Father, and he will deal with that sin in that moment. Our invitation and responsibility is to love as he loves. Now, some of you think, uh, you might think that this is just kind of perfunctory for me. Like, I just kind of write this message and it's just kind of easy. But you know what, can I just tell you? Oh my goodness. Like, you guys get to, it's, very, it's a very interesting gig that I'm in right now with this awesome church named Heritage, right? Because. You don't, you don't get to see the full side of me. Praise God for that, that you don't have to put up with that. And what I mean by that is, is I'm blessed to oversee 180 churches and then blessed to be the interim pastor of Heritage during this time. And I just got to tell you, it's such an incredible blessing for me. Like it really, really is. Like Matt, who's sitting in the third row, like he's a board member here. I love. Man, with Ben, I just love you, Ben, so much. Such an honor to work with you. 
man, I love you. And I know you love this place. But, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, I oversee these churches, and then I fly in here, and I'm here for about somewhere between a third and half the time. And I get to work with the incredible staff of Heritage and, again, the board of Heritage. It's, it's, it's a great gig. But here, I got to tell you, there are people that really want to take me out. I had a guy three and a half weeks ago that really tried to thoroughly undermine me in my position. Over the last five or six, longer than that, seven or eight years, he's tried to get me fired more times than I, I can, I, I don't know. So before I come into this week, before I come into this morning, Holy Spirit, last night, as I'm just praying and making sure that I'm right before him, I said, is there anything I need to do? And he said, yeah, I want you to one more, I want you to continue to pray for this person. I want you to make sure that your heart is clean and that you love them. I've had some pretty awful things happen to me. I know you get the fun side of me and we have fun together and that's great, but don't think that I don't have people in my life who I have to choose to forgive and love. For you, it might be an ex-spouse that really hurt you or a present spouse. And you're still together, but you haven't fully forgiven them and you're holding back some love from them. For you, it might be a, a former business partner who stole a lot of money from you. For you, it might have been someone who abused you physically or emotionally. For you, it might be a child who you did your best to pour into, but now they want nothing to do with you. And it breaks your heart. For you, it might be a boss. You know what Herod represents? Herod represents those people who have power over us that we can do nothing about. And God calls us to love them too. To love people who have power over us and we have no recourse. We're called to love and to be known to the world by our love, even those people that we don't want to love. And so as we go into Christmas 2021, do you know what the Holy Spirit is inviting us into? See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you walked in this morning and you didn't do it physically, but you kind of did it emotionally, but you, you, don't, you don't even recognize it anymore, right? Is that you kind of walked in here limping. And the reason you're limping is because you got a ball and a chain around you called anger and resentment and unforgiveness towards someone. And some of you have been, you've had that so long that you don't, you don't even recognize it anymore. Like you don't even recognize it, but it's there. And this morning, Holy Spirit's just inviting you to say, would you let it go? Would you allow me by my power to set you free? Holy Spirit is saying, I'm not saying that what they said was, well, what they said and did to you was all right. I'm saying, will you do what I do and love? Will you love regardless of their worthiness of your love. Because Jesus says, I want to set you free. I want you to forgive, and I want you to love. And I know that there are incredible people in this room. And you've had some horrific things done to you. But can I tell you, that there's power in Jesus to forgive and to love. There is no shortage in his power to forgive and to love. And it is a distinguishing factor. It is the thing that will cause other people to stand up and say, how? How do you love that person after everything that they did? And your response will be, 
it's because I've been undone by a God who has loved me when I was not always lovable either. Would you pray with me for just a moment? So God, right now, I pray first of all for those who are not yet in a relationship with you. I pray that they would understand that you're an incredibly loving, caring, forgiving God. And I pray that right now that they would open up their heart to you and say, Jesus, thank you for going to a cross on my behalf. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for loving me when I was still sinning. I right now open up my heart and my life to you and I ask you to come into my life. I want to begin a relationship with you right here, right now so that December 19th, 2021 becomes the day that I'm a follower of yours. But then God, there are people in this room who made that decision a year ago or decades ago. And sometime over the last 30 plus minutes, you have brought to their mind someone that they need to forgive and love. Someone who's difficult for them to love. A boss, a coworker, a family member. Someone who abused them. And you're promising them, I will give you the love that you need if you'll let me. And you're begging them right now to release the poison out of their hearts to let it go. To unclasp that ball and chain and to let it go. To take in all of the love that you have for them and to allow that to flow through them to other people. And Rock Island 11 o'clock service, I, we've done this in the, at the 9 o'clock service here and at the Bettendorf service a few moments ago. I want to encourage us to do it here. If there's, if you know the Holy Spirit is calling you to love someone that's been difficult to love, but you just want to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to leave here free. Free. And you would be willing to, in this moment, stand and by standing, declaring that you're going to love that person in your life who's difficult to love, whoever they are, and say, God, I'm going to allow you to give me the power to do that. I just want to encourage you and invite you right now to stand. In this moment, right here, right now. And you're standing. And by standing, you're saying, I'm forgiving that person. I'm going to love that person. They're no longer going to have a hold on me. I'm no longer going to allow them to have that place in my life. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to walk out of here free. And when I'm tempted to withhold my love again, I'm going to remember this moment and I'm going to say, nope, I'm going to be loving. Because I know that that is a distinguishing factor in who Jesus is calling me to be. Jesus, I just pray right now that the men and women that are standing right now would have a sense of how proud you are of them. Ah, you're saying right now to them, you're a favorite son of mine. You're a favorite daughter of mine. I'm so proud of you. And by standing, I just want you to know, I'm going to fill your life. I'm going to fill your heart with love. And I'm going to make you a beautiful channel of that, a beautiful river of that to other people. And you will become known as someone who loves others. Do that, I pray. Encourage the people that are standing right now, Holy Spirit, that this is their freedom day. This is their freedom day. They're free from stuff of the past. The rest of you are sitting. Would you mind standing? So Holy Spirit of God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you're a God who initiates love. You initiated love towards us first. Jesus, you said, a new commandment I'm giving you, love as I have loved you. You started it. You started loving. And then you encouraged us to love in return. Thank you for loving us like that. 
Thank you for your amazing, reckless love. In Jesus' name. Well, thanks for being here with us today, guys. We love you. Go in the peace, in the hope, in the joy that you've been given by God. Uh, We will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today. If you have a question, a prayer request, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com slash connect. We know from scripture that God loves the heart of a cheerful giver. But tithing is also one of the only places in scripture that God allows and encourages us to test him. 
So in that spirit, we'd encourage you to give with radical generosity at heritageqc.com give, or you can give through the Church Center app. Before you go, if you have a student in sixth through 12th grade, or you are a student in sixth through 12th grade, I wanted to let you know that they're gonna be having a New Year's celebration on January 2nd from 2 to 5 p.m. at PlayStation Quad Cities. The entry fee is $16 per person, plus a $2 fee if you need to purchase trampoline socks. Now, if you're anything like me, yes, there are special socks for trampolines. Who knew? Well, now you do. (laughs) So, if you or your student would like to attend this party, you have to register through the Church Center app, and you can find the registration page under the Events tab. For everyone else, I hope you have a great week and a Merry Christmas.